Welcome to this presentation about using toxic family to accelerate spiritual growth. I'm a music producer and professional songwriter. I'll sprinkle my music along the way and may release this presentation as an ebook, so check out my website if you wish. Christofferson is spelled C H R I S T O P H E R S O N. This presentation offers a new way to view your own family challenges and current soul lessons. In short, we will see that your experiences of family toxicity and your current soul lessons are connected. Because experience is largely the product of beliefs, my goal is to offer ideas challenging your fundamental beliefs. Some of these ideas may feel overwhelming or confusing at first, in which case I recommend stopping or listening multiple times. This presentation is for you. It's not a book to read or class to pass. It's an ongoing process. Some may glean one or two ideas they find helpful. Others may choose to listen often using journaling or other means to integrate new perspectives. This presentation is not intended to be a replacement for professional help. We will explore family systems theory lining up with the teachings of Greg Braden, Martin Luther King Jr., Mahatma Gandhi, Wayne Dyer, Buddha, Nikola Tesla, Louise Hay, Jesus, Neil Donald Walsh, and Marianne Williamson. My hope is that this presentation will function as a care package offering ideas that reduce suffering, ideas that have helped myself and others deal with family dysfunction. I'll begin by sharing a fantasy. I imagine that I'm able to magically make life stop so that I have a timeout, like in the movies when time stops and every movement is frozen in place. In this surreal setting, in the presence of my higher power or guardian angel, I'm able to view my life from a broader perspective, above the drama feeling so important in daily life. From this place, I see the soul lessons I'm here to learn the soul lessons I'm working on. My higher power encourages me to see that I've never been off track, to see that every aspect of this physical experience allows the possibility of soul learning, the potential to expand my ability to love and forgive. My primary goal here is to lessen your burden and turn up the love and self-compassion in your life. It is said that we carry family within us, and I'd like to share a story illustrating this point. A spiritual master, whose teachings were celebrated by many books, arrived from India at a major city in the U.S. He was warmly greeted by a large crowd of followers, journalists, and spiritual seekers. There was laughter, hugging, and a spirit of playfulness in the air. The master kissed babies and gave a contemporaneous talk about unconditional love and forgiveness. At the conclusion of the event, a single question extinguished the light from the master's face. He was asked about his parents. Eyes welling with tears, he whispered, I cannot yet talk about my family. We do carry family inside us. For this reason, the pain of unhealed wounds is never far from where we are. It might be a good idea to take inventory of your own attempted strategies to resolve toxic family challenges. It might look a little like this. You've tried ignoring abusive behaviors. You've tried being diplomatic. You've tried going along to get along. 
and you've tried reasoning with this person or these people. You've recommended professional help and pretended the pain isn't real. These strategies are about vibrationally lowering your energy to fit into a system. A system of values and behaviors rooted in guilt, anger, and fear. In other words, these are strategies requiring that you set aside your own needs. Trying to get along with those who are chronically negative or emotionally sick, but feel that they are above therapy and other forms of help, reminds me of a quote from J. Krishnamurti. It is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. We're going to be talking about what I call loss of self and a new way of thinking about love, one not requiring that you set aside your needs or give up peace of mind. Are you ready for a radically new definition of love? We're going to investigate the possibility of love that does not harm self or others. Love that does not harm self or others. If you are setting aside your happiness for a family member, according to this new definition, that doesn't count as love. Because if you're getting less as a result of what you call love, that's harming you. If it harms you or causes you to suffer, that doesn't count as love. And if we're talking about a kind of love that does not harm self or others, then the other side of the equation is about not harming others. The truth is that by playing along to get along with toxic people, with people who are mentally ill or broken, we often keep them from their lessons. This is also called enabling. If my role in a family relationship is about pretending everything is okay, despite alcoholism or mental illness or chronic depression, you get the idea, then I'm helping keep things the same. I'm participating in a big game of group denial. Like a skit performed on a theater stage, each of us plays these roles because we know that if we step out of them, we will be ridiculed and held responsible for the feelings of others. According to this new definition of love, love that does not harm self or others, these kinds of behaviors don't count as love either. I'd like you to create a habitat in your mind for these new ideas about love. Because I know something about you. You seek love. I know this not because I'm smart, but because I know every heart seeks love. Before conditioning, before parental role modeling, before social programming and what we call education, you seek love, and the highest version of you is love. Not needing others to change, not needing to get anything from other people not needing to hoard or be perceived in special ways. A central theme in this presentation will be the idea that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. The idea that we are infinite beings having a physical experience and that you are more than this body is common to virtually all religions and spiritual systems. Like I said, this is family systems theory based on teachings of saints, mystics, and masters through the centuries. But you can't speak openly about being a spiritual being having a physical experience in a materialistic society. The idea that you are a spiritual being having a physical experience is the opposite of our conditioning. For this reason, we live in a paradox. You live each day with one foot in the physical dimension and the other foot in the truth of your spiritual nature, the reality not reported to us by our five physical senses. 
The soul aspect or multidimensional aspect of human experience is the fundamental reality Martin Luther King Jr., Mahatma Gandhi, Jesus, Buddha, and Nikola Tesla lived in. Yet we are educated and programmed to live in a reality rooted in physical world awareness, also known as materialism. We're covering this because the answers to family toxicity are not found in the domain of physical awareness. The answers are spiritual. In other words, the spiritual ideas covered here require that you think outside the box of consumerism, collecting things and looking good to others, which is the domain of the materialist mindset. According to the official story of reality, if we can't see it, it doesn't exist. But I love legendary physicist Richard Feynman's description of science. Science is faith in the ignorance of experts. The ideas presented here mark a departure from the materialist worldview. For example, I believe we experience these physical lives to deepen our ability to love. I believe each physical life contains key events taking us out of our comfort zone and providing opportunities for spiritual growth. In many cases, our most powerful experiences occur in our growing up years and family. In this way, we all have quite a bit in common. We carry unhealed wounds connected to our growing up years, connected to our family of origin. Aspects of our lives connected to profound spiritual learning that we call dad or lack of dad, mom or lack of mom, sisters, brothers, exes, uncles, and so on. So let's talk about how we are typically conditioned to handle conflict. Our materialist worldview teaches us to resolve conflict with labeling, blame, scapegoating, violence, revenge, and attack. This negative approach to problem-solving, perfectly demonstrated by our story of history, Hollywood, our institutions, and what we call education. From the vantage point of spirit, these strategies amount to pushing against the things we don't want. On the level of energy and consciousness and spirit, these strategies amount to pushing against the things we don't want. In other words, we are lowering our energy, lowering our vibration, lowering our expectations and thinking and emotions to the level of negative behavior. And let's connect the dots here. We engage in blame and judgment and myriad forms of attack, hoping these strategies will somehow produce harmony, love, and peace. These negative responses to conflict are embedded in our value system. In fact, these negative patterns are the air we breathe. Let's talk about the spiritual side of you, the spiritual being having a physical experience. The spiritual dimension operates on a different set of rules. On the level of spirit, to respond with blame and attack is to lose one's energy, to give away your energy. It's possible to energetically bleed out. When we energetically bleed out in response to conflict, I call this loss of self. To respond with attack and hate requires that I close my heart. It requires that I withhold love. To be clear, conventional responses to conflict require that you close your heart, that you give away your power. This is an important point to any discussion about toxic family, because this means that if we operate on our programming, 
then the solution requires that you close your heart. The irony is that most of us are doing what we do in response to toxic family because we love our family, because living with a closed heart is too painful. What does this add up to? Most people are closing their heart, hoping to produce as a result peace and harmony, which is a problem if we wish to engage in a kind of love not harming self or others. Surely closing my heart isn't the optimum strategy. Another law of the spiritual domain is, as author Neil Donald Walsh says, there is only one of us. Put another way, what I do to you, I do to myself. This idea that the painful parts of our life contain precious opportunities to grow is not new. One of my favorite teachers, Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, says, If I'm successful loving my enemies, there will be no one I cannot love. And the Dalai Lama says he can learn the most from his enemies. Are you able to think of the person bringing you the most grief and emotional pain as your teacher? If you laugh at that idea, that's perfectly fine. Author Wayne Dyer was able to think this way about his father, who by today's standards would be labeled a deadbeat dad. His father had let him down in countless ways. He was unresponsible and abusive. In fact, Wayne Dyer referred to his father as the petty tyrant of his life, considering his father to be one of his greatest teachers. We are programmed to follow the rule that families stick with each other through thick and thin, that we are to never give up on family. In fact, if your needs aren't being met by family, you are then expected to sacrifice for family. If you have a problem with sacrifice, then you're a bad person. And by the way, what exactly gets sacrificed? You. Hence the term loss of self. By closing your heart, by attempting to resolve things in the old school ways, you lose your connection to the infinite being now taking the form of you in this physical world. We're going to be speaking of family toxicity as an opportunity for spirit as an opportunity for spiritual growth. We can either recognize the opportunity or remain blind to the opportunity. In this discussion, I'll refer to the unrecognized opportunity to grow as a wrapped present. No one knows what's inside because it hasn't been opened. We could say that a gift is received when a toxic family experience is used for the purpose of growth. On the other side of the coin, when a toxic family experience is used for the purpose of soul learning and spiritual growth, we call this an unwrapped gift. If your toxic family is causing you to suffer for our purposes here, we can say you haven't yet unwrapped the gift. I'll share a few ideas as to why people get stuck in patterns of negative behavior. And I'd like you to test these ideas against the backdrop of your own family experience, especially the individual causing you the most grief. I have an idea I call the love imprint. We know that each of us seeks love, but at the same time, we know that each of us has a different map as to how we get love, right? Think of this map as your love imprint. A love imprint can be entirely erroneous. In fact, they usually are. For a moment, I'd like you to set aside everything you know about who you are and how you are creating your experiences so that you're starting with a blank slate. The love imprint is formed in your first 10 years. 
when we live out our most intimate and powerful experiences. It's called the love imprint because these early experiences, as you will see, formulate our ideas about what love is. Not only is our map about what love feels like created by these early family experiences, our love imprint drives us to recreate this story in our adult life. Individuals with a loving childhood become adults resonating strongly with healthy, compassionate people because like a magnet, their love imprint attracts circumstances matching our growing up years. And everyone lives happily ever after. But that's not the way it usually works. Because we are spiritual beings engaging in physical experience in order to learn about love. Without circumstances challenging our ability to love and forgive, the learning is not possible. We call it the love imprint because whatever happens in our formative years becomes our definition of love. Despite the abuse or other forms of neglect, these patterns become our relationship comfort zone. Meaning that if your first 10 years were about abandonment, the experience of abandonment will become the criteria in your search for love. Your adult relationships will become stages on which to act out abandonment issues. You will be unconsciously attracted to emotionally unavailable partners, which may sound crazy until we remember we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and that we are here to expand our ability to love. Your own love imprint compels you to reincarnate the most powerful stories of your childhood. And your motivation in recreating these episodes is love. If you have siblings, maybe you will recognize the compulsive reenactment of negative childhood experiences in adult relationships. If your early years involved obsessively judgmental caregivers, like a magnet, your love imprint will attract similar behaviors especially in matters of love, because that's your map. Have you noticed that those shamed in their growing up years attract the same abusive patterns? Have you noticed that the women sexually abused as children are attracted to the same patterns as adults? Have you noticed that despite the path of destruction these relationships leave behind, these women pursue emotionally sick men with single-minded focus? The idea that a tormented childhood becomes a love imprint may sound paradoxical, but it's called a love imprint because the negative pattern becomes a strategy to find love. The power of the love imprint to recreate unhealed childhood trauma is as strong as any narcotic. Hopefully, the love imprint gives you a new way to view dysfunctional family. This brother, father, ex, you fill in the blank, is unconsciously driven to re-experience their own negative love imprint. For now, park the love imprint idea in your consciousness as we cover another idea key to this presentation. We've introduced the idea that family toxicity can serve as a powerful teacher. For this reason, we've referred to unlearned lessons as wrapped gifts when a situation is nothing more than a thorn in your side. The gift remains wrapped. The opportunity for spiritual growth is not yet integrated. Another idea is that as a spiritual being having a physical experience, you must understand another spiritual law. You don't graduate to the next level until you complete your current lesson. In school, students aren't allowed to walk out of classrooms if they don't like the lesson, right? It's the same with the soul lessons you are here to learn. 
Put it this way. As a spiritual being, the stage has been set for your soul lessons. They are usually connected to your unhealed childhood experiences. As long as the gift remains unseen, unwrapped, and unaccepted, the lesson remains the next step in your spiritual path. So this could go on for months. This could go on for decades. And it can go on for a lifetime with a single lesson as the next step in front of us. Until you integrate the learning. A Course in Miracles tells us everything is either love or a call for love. The toxic family patterns you endure are a call for love. That's one of the many ways lack of love is expressed in the physical dimension. The family abuse you have endured can serve as source material for a lifetime of victim stories. Or you can accept the gift and view the negative pattern as a call for love. Now, if you're thinking, I don't want to love my Satan-possessed father who ruined my life, that's understandable. Because the love we're talking about isn't about apologizing or going along to get along. We're talking about self-love, self-compassion, taking care of your part of the garden. For starters, letting go of the story that perpetuates your suffering, the thoughts and feelings making inner peace impossible. We're going to be talking about your perception and your inner landscape, your thoughts and feelings as they relate to toxic family. Conventional psychology teaches that parents pass to their children unresolved trauma and suffering. Without healing, I pass my addictive patterns to my children. Without healing, I pass my issues to my son. By avoiding my soul homework, my patterns of anxiety and depression are automatically passed to the next father and mother. This is how family suffering is generational. Author John Bradshaw explains it this way. The first component of dysfunctional families is that they are part of a multi-generational process. The dysfunctional individuals who marry other dysfunctional individuals have come from dysfunctional families. So the circle tends to be unbroken. Dysfunctional families create dysfunctional individuals who marry other dysfunctional individuals and create new dysfunctional families. So picture in your mind a parade of cross-generational dysfunction which doesn't stop until someone wakes up. Until someone recognizes in the dysfunction an opportunity to learn love, an opportunity to be more Jesus-like, an opportunity to realize their Buddha nature. If we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, and if our soul is always moving in the direction of love, then there is some good news here. What if this painful aspect of your life is actually connected to your soul curriculum? What if these are lessons that you set up for yourself? The dual nature of family toxicity, this idea that there's the physical side which is being miserable and having endless victim stories, and then the other side which is spiritual which contains opportunities to move forward, is a tough pill to swallow. But the mystics and spiritual masters often specialize in the toxic side of human nature, time and again demonstrating the miracle of love against the backdrop of darkness. Martin Luther King Jr. continues to inspire millions because he spoke of love while standing in the fire of hate and violence. 
Mahatma Gandhi shared his vision of a world living in harmony as he faced bloodshed and the tyrannical rule of a militarized world power. By the way, the world power was defeated without ever firing a gun. My point is that the darkest places serve as a birthing ground for healing and love. I actually once had the thought, it sure would be nice to be at the right time and place for world-changing messages when a courageous voice like Martin Luther King Jr. can really make a difference and speak as the heart of the world. I reasoned that if I was at the right time and place in history, I might have the opportunity to demonstrate the miracle of love in big ways. But I now realize this moment and every moment is the perfect moment to remember love. In the context of family toxicity, this means the courage to love ourselves, to engage in a kind of love that does not harm self, that does not result in loss of self. It's easy to go along to get along, to engage in a kind of love involving abuse and setting aside our needs. The most challenging work we will ever do is connected to self-love. Did Jesus, Buddha, and Mother Teresa demonstrate this level of grace in their personal lives? I believe the answer is yes. And I believe that on the level of spirit, the toxic family challenges you face are not separate from Mahatma Gandhi's revolution or Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream of peace for all. It's the same learning. It's the same insight. It's the same energy. And every step forward in every life moves us all in the direction of truth, of love. In other words, darkness is darkness. It's always connected to being unconscious, and it's always a product of fear. The answer is always connected to love. And from there, it's just a matter of who stands up and speaks the truth, even if it's scary, even if it seems everything is at stake. In any case, I believe that in some very real ways, we have amazing teachers right here with us, and we'll visit them from time to time throughout this presentation. It's possible to not open a present, right? Ignored soul lessons are analogous to a gift that remains unopened. Ignored soul lessons produce emotional sickness. It's easy to spot those who have been blowing off their soul homework. It's easy to identify those pretending the lesson isn't right in front of their nose. Lessons that if integrated, if unwrapped, would make life better. My point is that the toxic family elements causing you to suffer are unopened gifts gifts that may be hundreds of years old. You can receive the gift only as a spiritual being. Limited to physical world awareness, we cannot perceive the dual nature of family dysfunction. I spoke to a man who was at the end of his rope with a disrespectful adult daughter who blamed him for ending an unfulfilled marriage. Unaware of her mother's dark side because her father protected his daughter during growing up years, she now resented him, seeming to feel entitled to a storybook family setting. After years of being scapegoated and being made to feel guilty, the father set a new boundary. He communicated in no uncertain terms that he was no longer his daughter's doormat. He had fallen into the trap of love that harms self. Of course, setting a new boundary was excruciatingly difficult because he worried that she might do something irrational or destructive perhaps even hurting herself. We can see that for all those years, he wasn't engaged in the kind of love we've been talking about. But by taking a look at the other side of this relationship, we see that by allowing his daughter to mistreat him, 
he was helping her daughter ignore her own homework. Can you see that by tolerating the abuse, he prevented his daughter from growing? Can you see that by tolerating the abuse, he had prevented his daughter from opening the gift? By rising to the occasion and responding to family drama by opening the gift, he created the opportunity for his daughter to do the same and the opportunity to move in the direction of love. You've probably heard of the ripple effect, the idea that one small action triggers a multitude of effects in all directions. Let's take a look at the ripple effect of the father's courageous act of self-love. Who stands to gain as a result of this father unwrapping his gift? The father certainly benefited. He learned that beneath the busyness of his daily life, the negative relationship was exhausting. Even if she chooses to remain asleep at the wheel, ignoring the lesson in front of her, he now has more energy for his life. Lies are exhausting. I say this because on the level of spirit, to allow others to mistreat me or perceive me as guilty or defective is to engage in a lie. Aside from the many benefits to the father, let's remember that by remaining unhealed, she will pass her personal demons to her children. Is the negative behavior you experience in your own family the result of parents passing unhealed wounds to their children? And if the daughter treats her father this way, there's a strong likelihood that her friends and co-workers and partners receive the same treatment. To be clear, by unwrapping the gift of family toxicity, the father creates a space for his daughter to unwrap her gift, to shift from finger-pointing and blame to self-responsibility. Dysfunction, abuse, addictive patterns, and mental illness are passed from generation to generation until someone like you comes along, until someone does the work and unwraps the gift, as the metaphor goes. The spiritual work of opening the gift requires self-love, courage, and willingness to be honest with ourselves. This is important to a discussion about toxic family because, one, this gives us insight into the negative behavior of family members. Two, this helps us understand our own adult relationship patterns. Three, we realize toxic family members may very well be under the spell of their own negative love imprint. Four, we understand that liberation from family pain can at the same time serve as impetus for the healing of others. Five, this explains how those who are supposed to love and support us family, for example, can be abusive. They are attempting to recreate the same conditions of the initial trauma in order to heal the trauma. As you may have guessed, this presentation isn't about changing the people in your family as much as it is about shifting perceptions and responses. In other words, you are going to unwrap the gift. Is it possible that we attempt to recreate our painful love imprint so that we have the opportunity to learn and heal? Is it possible these painful physical world events can be used to expand our ability to love rather than close our hearts? I'll share a story about my friend Susan, who had a petty tyrant father of her own. Her father was emotionally, physically, and sexually abusive. At a breaking point, Susie began attending Al-Anon meetings. Think of Al-Anon as an offshoot of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, supporting family members of alcoholics, addicts, and similar dysfunction. 
It was in one of these Al-Anon meetings that she learned about a no-contact boundary. Just like it sounds, a no-contact boundary is a boundary that a family member can set, meaning that, for example, text, phone conversations, and person-to-person situations are off-limits. A no-contact boundary may sound like some kind of legal procedure, but it's simply a declaration of a boundary. Several things about Susan's experience with a no-contact boundary are powerful. And as you will see, another theme of this presentation is creating distance from toxic family. Susan established a no-contact boundary by mailing her father a snail mail letter. The first sentence of that letter contains one of the most remarkable sentences I've heard. An idea key to this presentation. I've been using you as an excuse to not be happy. Back up the truck, right? How do we go from an abusive, petty tyrant father to a sentence that sounds like an apology? I've been using you as an excuse to not be happy. Up until this moment in her life, Susan's communications with her father were, um, shall we say, colorful? Or we could say passive-aggressive or contentious. In other words, they covered the predictable patterns of negative problem-solving. Blame, resentment, finger-pointing. The reason Susan's words seemed so strange is that she's doing the opposite of how we're programmed to deal with conflict. She wasn't blaming. She was not attacking. She wasn't trying to prove that she's right. She wasn't trying to prove that her father was wrong. She wasn't hating him or seeking revenge. Instead, she stated a spiritual truth that she hasn't been honest with herself because she had been using the dysfunctional relationship and the resulting victim stories as an excuse. Susan realized she had created an elaborate victim story in her mind, similar to the daughter who blamed her father in order to avoid her own pain. Susan woke up to the fact that she had closed her heart, that she had given up on herself and her life. She realized there were parts of herself that had become comfortable with the conflict and blame game. So let's talk a little more about negative patterns of relationships in dysfunctional families. We could start with finger pointing, the most effective way to keep things the same. Because when I'm sure the problem is you, I have no reason to question my behaviors or change. Finger pointing is based on the scarcity mindset. This is the energy of fear. Like I said, this way of thinking is the air we breathe. But the shift from materialism to our spiritual nature offers a new way to respond to conflict, to family toxicity. If you can accept even for now that we are fundamentally spiritual beings having a physical experience, would you then agree that any opportunity to grow spiritually is precious? If so, then it's not such a stretch to see that the toxic relationship that has become the bane of your existence contains diamonds. If you are a spiritual being here to expand your heart and learn love, then any experience challenging your ability to love is an opportunity to grow. If I respond to toxic family on the level of physical world rules and values, I experience suffering. Let's talk about what happens when you suffer. The experience of depression, fear, and anxiety suppresses immune function, reduces cognitive ability, floods the body with cancer-inducing cortisol, and has a detrimental effect on nearly every organ. Other than that, stress is good for you. 
If toxic family is turning my life into hell, then I'm living a victim story centered on my own feelings of powerlessness. By giving my attention to the dysfunctional behaviors of others and taking them personally, I play the victim role. I suffer. In this case, my message to life is, bring me an experience equal to my suffering. By taking a toxic individual's behaviors personally, I fall into the trap of believing that these toxic family episodes express my relationship with God and life, telling me who I am and why I'm not worthy of love and happiness. This doesn't make sense, but this is the way our brain decodes these situations. I'm Daniel Christofferson. Thanks for listening to my ideas and music. Stay tuned for more about toxic family and spiritual growth. Please visit my website at danielchristofferson.com, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-O-N. Love is the highest power. Thank you.